Good evening, folks. It's Sunday, August 13th, and I'm Josh Boykin, founder of Intelligame.us. Welcome to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Folks, welcome back to Intelligame Radio, and I apologize for taking a couple of days off. Yes, things were a little hectic. Returning from museum camp, which was a really awesome opportunity to meet a number of changemakers from around the world, all getting together in one museum for two and a half days to share ideas and to get excited about the world. And then I uh, returned on Saturday and uh, was pretty promptly reminded that there are some reasons to not be so excited about what's happening in the world. I, as you know, here on Intelligame Radio, we tend not to shy away from public events, from discussing politics, particularly um, things that have to do with race and representation and diversity and progressivism, all sorts of things that we talk about here. And yet I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to say something because I, I felt dreadfully unprepared. Um, and I still do. If I'm honest, a big part of this comes because things felt really good at museum camp. It was a form of escapism, I think. And yes, it was important to be around those other people who have ideas and concepts and goals. And I think that we were able to create some really great networks for making change in the future. And it also was just inspirational to be around a bunch of other people who care about social justice and progressivism and even you know being around a number of folks who work in the public sector and are or are working for museums and to be a game critic a game culturalist to have that cross in perspectives was really important but i think for all of us when we returned to our respective spaces uh, it hit kind of like a tidal wave to find out about what happened in Charlottesville, what's likely currently actively happening in Charlottesville. Just because there was a, a large flashpoint of action doesn't mean that everything has died down. I had a discussion with my friend Alex today, and I told them about how difficult it was for me to come back to Anchor, that I felt this pressure to say something about this and yet I didn't really know what to say. And I can also admit that the inertia of not having posted the past couple of days was starting to build on me. And they reminded me that this is, this is what the opposition wants. This is the point of terror. This is the point of instilling fear, is to knock people off of their rhythms. It's to paralyze them. 
to prevent them from doing the things that allow them to sustain their respective communities and help them help others push forward. In the same way that I watch shows or listen to anchor stations or read blogs to get a sense of what's going on in the world, uh, they reminded me that people may look to Intelligame Radio for that same purpose. And so here I am, <laughs> and I am not exactly sure how today will go down, um, but we are going to talk a bit about Charlottesville and about some feelings around that. We'll also talk a bit about the wrap-up of Museum Camp, because I do think that it's important to remember that there is a world outside of tragedy, that there are positive things going on, there are positive takeaways. And then uh, we'll also hopefully be able to talk a little bit about games, too. So let's go ahead and get started. Perhaps what has been most shocking thus far to me about Charlottesville is how little shock I feel. How quickly it seems that desensitization has kicked in. It seems like just yesterday that Philando Castile was shot and killed in his car while legally carrying a firearm. Was shot and killed next to his girlfriend shot and killed in the same car as his child, shot and killed during a routine traffic stop by a police officer in Minnesota. That happened almost simultaneous with the release of Pokemon Go, a mobile sensation that completely changed the face of last summer. And as the game released and friends shared screenshots of catching Pidgeys and Weedles and Caterpies, I saw those pictures run directly alongside video footage of a black man being gunned down next to his family, of articles expressing anger and condemnation, and some articles that were saying, well, let's just wait for all the facts. I'd also like to point out that the NRA still has not taken a position to come to Philando Castile's aid or defense as a legal firearm owner. But I suppose that's besides the point. When Philando Castile was shot and killed, I, I lost, I feel like I lost all focus for a moment. I was so incredibly overwhelmed. Wrote a piece and attended a protest and things felt so abnormal. Now we get to the point where we have an entire white supremacist rally taking place as people drive in from around the country to galvanize themselves around the protection of a Confederate monument. And we have a man get in a car 
and drive through a group of counter-protesters, injuring, I believe, three, killing one. And the President of the United States makes a statement about how there's violence from many sides. We all need to unite as one. And that statement comes in the form of a tweet. If you told me that this was all going to happen, if you told me this last year, I wouldn't have believed you. And now it just feels like a day. See, the idea of desensitization is something that in gaming we've discussed for quite some time. How will people still maintain a sense of shock or alarm or perspective to violence if they are constantly surrounding themselves with visions and images, simulations of murder? See, regardless of how many murder simulations I consumed in games, it wasn't the games that desensitized me to this violence. It was the violence actually taking place in the world in a system where it wasn't supposed to be a game, where we have government and police officers and systems that we're supposed to trust to get involved to do something about these situations. And then watching those systems do nothing. Watching our White House, our government, do nothing watching police officer after police officer be in egregious situations of misconduct, have them documented with video, witnesses, and see them escape. Yeah, Mike's got something, all right. He's got America. But there are guys who stay up nights figuring out how to take that away from him. I happen to know the facts. My friends, I'm just an average American. But I'm an American-American. And some of the things I see in this country of ours make my blood boil. I see people with foreign apple money. I see Negroes holding jobs that belong to me and you. Now I ask you, if we allow this thing to go on, what's going to become of us real Americans? I've heard this kind of talk before, but I never expected to hear it in America. This fellow seems to know what he's talking about. What are we real Americans going to do about it? You'll find it right here in this little pamphlet. The truth about Negroes and foreigners. The truth about the Catholic Church. Do you believe in that kind of talk? That all makes pretty good sense to me. And I tell you, friends, we'll never be able to call this country our own until it's a country without. Without what? Yeah, without what? Without Negroes. Without alien foreigners. Without Catholics. Without Freemasons. You know What's wrong with the Masons? I'm a Mason. Hey, that fellow's talking about me. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? These are your enemies. These are the people who are trying to take over our country. Now you know them. You know what they stand for. And it's up to you and me to fight them. Fight them and destroy them before they destroy us. Thank you.
before he said Mason, you were ready to agree with him. Well, yes, but he was talking about... What about those other people? But in this country, we have no other people. We are American people. What about you? You aren't American, are you? I was born in Hungary, but now I am an American citizen. And I have seen what this kind of talk can do. I saw it in Berlin. What were you doing there? I was a professor at the university. I heard the same words we have heard today. But I was a fool then. I thought Nazis were crazy people, stupid fanatics. But unfortunately, it was not so. You see, they knew that they were not strong enough to conquer a unified country. So they split Germany into small groups. They used prejudice as a practical weapon to cripple the nation. Of course, that was not easy to do. They had to work hard to do it. You see, we human beings are not born with prejudices. Always they are made for us. Made by someone who wants something. Remember that when you hear this kind of talk. Somebody is going to get something out of it. And it isn't going to be you. Don't be a sucker. A piece of anti-fascist propaganda created by the U.S. military in 1947. And yet, you can listen to that clip and it sounds like it was created yesterday, right? Isn't it shocking to think that in only 70 years, we seem to have looped right back to where we started? I was amazed when I saw this clip pop up on my Twitter feed. I saw uh, Oman Reagan post the link to this clip. Uh, the full 17-minute video is available on YouTube and a number of other spaces. But this video has gone viral since Charlottesville. And for good reason. Because the parallels between then and now are far too shocking. The video continues after the clip that I shared. And the professor tells a story about how there was a Nazi in Europe standing on a soapbox delivering rhetoric oh so similar to that rhetoric that was being delivered right there in America. Rhetoric that was made to call out individual minorities, the Jews, Catholics, Freemasons. I don't really get, I'll admit, the Freemason, <laughs> the Freemason line in there throws me off a little bit. It seems to be a dominant thread. I don't, I don't quite get that. But the point of the story is that they had an opportunity to stop the rhetoric dead in its tracks. If they had banded together when each of those groups had been individually called out at that soapbox before the Nazis got the chance to use that rhetoric to get into power. And when they didn't, when they were able to tell a story that reached out to just the right people, when there were those tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed German folks who were like, hey, that's right, this is my country to take back. This is, this is my time to shine. It's when all the things start going off the rails. I actually recommend checking out the video. There... It does 
feel a little campy in its old, hokey 1940s way. Now, there are some interesting points there. And I'm going to play one more clip uh, from near the end of the video. So, sorry, there's a spoiler alert, I suppose. But I think it's worth hearing. And so, for all practical purposes, truth had been abolished in Germany. A lot of my German friends wondered what had hit them. How did it happen? Where did it start? It started right here. And this was where it could have been stopped. If those people had stood together, if they had protected each other, they could have resisted the Nazi threat. Together they would have been strong. But once they allowed themselves to be split apart, they were helpless. When that first minority lost out, everybody lost out. They made the mistake of gambling with other people's freedom. If only it were that simple. All the minorities band together and say no. Lock arms and raise your power rings to the sky and Captain Unity will come together and defeat the evil Nazis. Yeah, except the system does not really allow those situations to happen, right? I and mean, we can talk about any number of ways that people from marginalized backgrounds are subject to additional criticism and scrutiny when they highlight issues like discrimination in the workplace or by authority figures trying to report crimes being searched at the airport right desensitization takes place when reality gives us just enough opportunities to say, no, this is normal. When Trump was elected, there were any number of tweets that I saw where people said, put a, put a sticky note on your desk, put a post-it somewhere that says, this is not normal, to remind yourself that this is not normal. This is not something to become desensitized to. But it's easy to get desensitized when you have tons of media coming at you from every angle. Right? And when sometimes the bullet doesn't hit you, when there are tons of, of problems taking place out there in the world, but sometimes you can still have a good day. Sometimes you still get to go to a fancy conference and meet really awesome people, sleep over in a museum. It's easy to get a little lost when those things happen, even if but for a moment. Some of this is required. We do have to let our minds rest. Our bodies are not perpetual motion machines, much as we may like them to be sometimes. We do need these opportunities to escape and recharge. But we have to still remain conscious of the decisions we're making. 
We have to find ways to stay woke, as they call it. Right? We have to keep paying attention. You know who got a new job was Betty Shelby, the police officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who shot and killed Terrence Crutcher, who had no weapon. There was a big controversial case about it. They gave her a desk job back in Tulsa. She resigned, got a new job, Sheriff's Reserve. You see, the, the system does not give us <laughs> always uh, reasons to, to be hopeful. And yet, we still have to push forward anyway. We still do have to band together. Both marginalized folks and non-marginalized folks who just happen to be paying enough attention to see all the terrible things that are going on and want to do something to fix it. I'm pretty thoroughly convinced there's more of us than there are of them. I just hope... You know, I'm, I'm not even sure what to hope. I wish I did. Instead, I, I, I feel like I'm just waiting. And trying really hard to remember that staying in the rhythm, continuing to create, continuing to reach out, fighting against that desensitization... Like that's that's such a critical part of the discussion. A critical part of what we need to be able to push forward. I hope it helps. I hope any number of things. Last week I attended museum camp. A two and a half day conference dedicated to change-making. 107 folks showed up from around the globe. And though it's hard for me to totally encapsulate what it was like to be there, I still am really awash with this feeling of positivity from the event. You see, the interesting thing about museum camp is that it doesn't rely on the idea that one particular set of knowledge or one particular style of background is going to be beneficial to fixing everything, so to speak. The 107 people that gathered for museum camp came from a wider range of backgrounds, working in museums and in IT and, in, and with communities <clears throat> fresh out of prison, any number of spaces. And we each brought to the table our own experiences with making change. And this isn't in the dollars and cents respect, though there was a really great discussion about fundraising <laughs> because inevitably it's, it becomes part of the process. But there was a mix of scheduled content where uh, Nina Simon, the director of the Museum of Art and History in Santa Cruz, uh, had reached out to people and asked them to teach classes or give talks. And then there were also unstructured sessions, places where we had the time to just go out and get dinner with people that we were hanging out with, 
to spend a night going to the boardwalk or pier and ride a roller coaster or just talk about our homes, about our families. There were actually a couple unconference sessions and for folks who are unfamiliar, an unconference is where the schedule is created by the people sitting in the room at the time of the conference. So you get to have a session discussing something that you are passionate or interested in, passionate about or interested in, because you get to propose it right there. So instead of walking in and seeing a schedule of 20 different sessions and you're like, mm, well, I guess none of these really stick out to me at 12 o'clock or whatever. Well, you get to help fix that because you can say, I want to hear a session on this topic. And then if other people raise their hands and they're like, oh, that would be a good session too. Well, then you all show up and you all talk about it with each other. And this is a, a, a format that I've seen a couple of times. And it's amazing to utilize the knowledge that's in the room to not just hear one person who considers themselves an expert, but to hear from a number of different people with their own approaches and styles and backgrounds. I feel like I was able to learn a lot. Overall, Museum Camp was a really great experience. If it sounds like something that you're interested in, I would recommend that you take a look into it. Uh, the, uh, it's again run by the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History. I was lucky enough to be able to give a lightning talk there, which is a five minute talk about a way that I made change, which was actually a really difficult talk for me to come up with. I did uh, manage to save a recording. It's not the highest quality, but I will play it for you. Uh, I wish that I had the talks from the other folks who spoke as well, because there were some really phenomenal inspirational works there. Um, and should I get the opportunity to play some of those for you at some point, I think I will take that opportunity. But for now, um, I'm going to go ahead and play this talk of uh, my experience change making with IntelliGame. And I hope you enjoy it. Hi everybody, I'm Josh Boykin. I am a video game culturalist, so I do news reviews, editorials, but really talk about the ways that video games and the age... Here's a better way to approach it. <laughs> I started a site called Intelligame in September of 2015. And I wanted to make sure that when I was approached for this talk, um, I left everybody with a concrete takeaway. So I'm going to leave this on the screen let your community in, because it's the message that I have had show up for me in so many different ways over the past few months, over the past almost two years that IntelliGame has existed. And it's the lesson that I am still learning. I think a lot of people give the impression that when we come up here and we give this talk, it's because I've mastered something. This is the thing that I'm terrible at. But I know that this is such a critical part of how my site and my community has grown is because I was willing to get out of the way and let them in. Specifically, uh, when Nina reached out to me and asked me to give this talk, she asked me to talk about a fundraiser that I ran near the end of last year. It's part of a campaign called Extra Life, which is a video game marathon fundraiser. For 24 hours, people get together and they play video games. I'm probably under the impression that this is folks sitting on a couch, 
maybe drinking some Mountain Dew, eating some Doritos. I launched Intelligame.us, a game culture and criticism site dedicated to finding the intersections between games and the world around us. Trademark patent pending. I launched Intelligame as an opportunity to branch into a world that I feel is not given enough exposure in gaming. I have been working in game journalism, writing reviews and whatnot since 2009, but I wanted there to be an opportunity for me to talk about social justice, to talk about the ways that representation in games affected me personally, and the ways that I thought that it affected culture at large. This was a difficult undertaking, and yet when I started it, I had tons of friends who said, that's a really awesome idea, like, I would love to be part of that. Let me edit for you, let me, uh, let me contribute articles, let me do something. And I said, yeah, that sounds great, except I can't pay you, because I just started this. And even though I had some savings from doing some other work, I was like, well, I need to make sure that I have a, a habit set up first. And so they gave me all these opportunities to let them in, and I said no. And for the first year or so, I would say that Intelligame was relatively stagnant. Sure, I was writing articles that were the things that I was passionate about and had a critical eye, but I wasn't seeing the kind of community growth that I wanted. Intelligame's TLD, at the end of Intelligame, is .us, which is technically .us because it was cheaper and available, but <laughs> it's .us because it's supposed to be a reminder to let other people into this community, and yet for the entire beginning of Intelligame, I didn't. I learned this when I ran the Extra Life fundraiser in November and had no idea what I was doing. Realistically, I had spread myself far too thin, but what I did create was a schedule. So I didn't just stream playing video games for 24 hours. I had friends come in and we would talk and we would play together and we would eat on camera and whatever. It, it sounds ridiculous, but what ended up happening was that every time that that stream could have fallen apart, every place where I could have looked unprofessional, unprepared, and like total garbage, somebody managed to jump in and make it stronger. I had connections that all of a sudden came out of nowhere. And that fundraiser, which I think would have been kind of successful on my own, raised $2,350 from a website that had approximately 140 likes on Facebook, that had under 100 Twitter followers. But I had people who were willing, especially friends, who finally, when I gave them the opportunity to come in and to do something to make this successful, they stepped up. And I'm still blown away. So I put this up here the whole time because, like I said, I'm still learning this. I'm still the only writer for Intelligent. But every place that I have seen that site become what I would consider successful and something that I've been proud of are the spaces where I got out of the way and let my community in. So as we think about change making moving forward, I would encourage everybody not only to think about how are the ways that I'm a change maker, but what are the ways that I can let my community in? And of course, this is a simplification of an exceptionally complex topic, which I'm sure we could write and read books on. But I think that if we start from this position, we can end up somewhere positive. This is my contact information. Uh, being a change maker is 
being willing to let the change happen even when you're not the center of it. All right, that was amazing. I think that what we're learning from each person in each story is like it's all about going from me to we, right? Letting the community in. Sometimes we're like an army of one and I have to do it by myself and no one will help me and I have no money. And that's valid. But there's so many people out there that want to join you in your change making that are part of this community. Everyone in this room is now future friends. We're all change makers in this. We're now part of something bigger. And I really applaud you for sharing that story. And props for every dollar that you raise, and the next fundraiser will be even bigger. That's what's up. <laughs> Clap again for Josh. Well, folks, that was the talk that I gave at Museum Camp. And I hope that you were able to get something out of it. It was a really great experience for me. And I am really thankful for the opportunity to have shared the experience with others. Speaking of thanks, there are some people I want to call out and say thank you to. Uh, first off, to Sam Sauer, without whom I would have probably not heard of Museum Camp and never applied. So thank you for giving me the heads up. Also, uh, thanks to the folks who put up with me in San Francisco, uh, Rachel and Lindsay, you both made it possible for me to do this trip. So I appreciate you doing that. To Nina Simon and the museum camp staff, uh, the folks who at the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History, it was an amazing experience and I'm really thankful for the opportunity to have shown up and to see the awesome facility as well as uh, to learn more about making change and to learn about the area. So, oh, thank you. Also to the other attendees of Museum Camp, you folks rock. I feel like I learned so much and left with perhaps some of the vigor necessary to feel like maybe we can take on some of these Charlottesville and more sized problems by making change in our own communities and by banding together. So thank you for that. Also, I do want to say thanks to the Intelligame Extra Life community, the folks who participated in or stepped up other in any number of ways for the Extra Life fundraiser last November, um, whether you watched the stream or participated in the stream, or fixed a portion of the stream that would have otherwise been exceptionally broken or unprofessional, uh, I still I still think so fondly on those memories, and I really appreciate the time and the effort and the dedication put into it. And of course, also to the donors, the people who reached into their wallets and cumulatively put together $2,350 for Dornbecker Children's Hospital here in Portland, Oregon. That was a phenomenal experience. And I still, I still get a little choked up when I think about seeing everybody put together that much energy, that much effort, and that much compassion, um, not just in terms of dollars and cents, but in time and energy and being willing to give Intelligame an opportunity to, to step up at the same time. It means a lot. So 
to everyone as we start to get close to that ripe old age of two i say thank you and i'm looking forward to more opportunities to share and learn and grow together in the future oh thank you game of the day 26 i've played a lot of tetris lately i know today I felt like I needed to play for a number of reasons. One, I've been gone from home for a while, and playing Tetris on the PS4 feels like the only good way to do it, because it has a controller and I... Whatever. Because I like playing Tetris. Two, because I was exceptionally stressed this morning, combining the reading more about Charlottesville with seeing the amount of backlogged work I need to catch up on with the idea that I hadn't updated my anchor station in two days. I just got overwhelmed and I needed to do something that I felt like I knew how to do. Three, because my friend Rachel told me about how she used to play Tetris and increase it to the top difficulty at the beginning to try and maximize her high score. Tetris gives you more points for getting lines on levels of higher difficulty. And I had thought that if you started on level 10 and it was a race to level 15, that they would still only let you do, they would let you do 10 lines per level and that I would basically be making my score smaller by starting on, on a harder difficulty. Turns out that's not the case. The reason that I bring up this change in difficulty is because even though I was attempting to play Tetris as an opportunity to de-stress, instead of starting on level 1 like I always do, I started on level 10. I ramped up the difficulty to the point where I, I died and got game overs within 2-3 minutes of playing. Part of it's because I'm a little out of practice, but I think part of it was that I got tilted. I got overwhelmed by the amount of stress that was coming at me at an unexpected time, and I didn't know how to handle it. The cool part of this story, though, is that after a good three or four attempts, starting on level 10 didn't feel that overwhelming anymore. And yeah, I had failed a few times before, but I just kept going. I was like, that's okay, I'll, I'll just start over. Sometimes I would make these miraculous escapes and be able to get a Tetris and get tons of points. Other times, I, that wouldn't happen at all. <laughs> and there was one time I actually lost the board in like 45 seconds. And it was a combination of bad pieces and bad decisions. But I got up and played again. My former high score of around 204,000, I've now blown away. I think I've got... Uh, around 350,000 on one of my high runs right now. And that's because I've started playing on a higher difficulty. I'm anticipating that even though the game feels harder, because I still have to get 100 lines before I can get to level 11, I'll get used to it. Playing on level 10 is going to feel like playing on level 1. I'm excited to be able to see the progress that I'll make. Uh, higher numbers of points, 
Maybe one day I'll start at level 12 or level 13. Who knows? But the point of the story is that I didn't get overwhelmed. I didn't let myself stay overwhelmed. And even though I did feel that additional anxiety from having that temporary, I don't know how to handle this new situation, being willing to push into that, to, to keep going, I think that's what's going to carry me through. And I hope that I can apply that logic, not just to Tetris, but also to IntelliGame and life moving forward. All right, folks, why don't we wrap up the night with a couple of call-ins? Don't forget that if you are listening to IntelliGame Radio on Anchor, if you have questions or comments or anything that you want to contribute, you can use that call-in button and you just may find yourself here on the air, just like these folks. You know, I was listening to your segment actually on Tessa station. I think I called in the her station to comment. So I just wanted to leave a comment here on your station. And uh, first off, thank you for talking about these issues because they don't get talked about enough. And uh, I really do appreciate the fact that someone in gaming is contributing the way that you do. So just wanted to say thanks. Hey man, Carl's here from a lot of things uh, here on Anchor, and I felt compelled to call in and tell you that I was thinking about some of the same things you were talking about in the last couple episodes, um, doing what you love, and a lot of times people get stuck in loops, uh, me included, in safety, and uh, it's a job, I got a job, and that's good, because now I can eat food and live in a place, but we do learn a lot of things from a lot of different places, and those things uh, can be utilized in jobs we didn't even think of. Uh, we get stuck in an industry and we're like, well, I can't ever do that. Apps? What are apps? But you might be able to. You might be able to utilize some of that stuff and bring it over to a different type of job. And I think that everyone should look at that and evaluate what they've learned and utilize it to do something maybe you love. So good advice. Keep it up with the podcast. Vernon, Carlos. Thank you so much for your call-ins and being willing to contribute to IntelliGame Radio. I have found it sometimes difficult to talk about some of the segments and situations that we've brought up, Vernon. Uh, and I think today's episode is no exception, talking about what happened in Charlottesville and before that, addressing issues of diversity in media. But I think that these conversations are critical to us pushing gaming forward and also any number of other mediums that we care about in pop culture and beyond. I think we need to have a better appreciation for the people around us, for the situations that exist around us, for a sort of intersectionality in media. And so uh, thank you for reaching out and, and applauding that. I think that alongside that, uh, Carlos's comment about utilizing the skills that we have in spaces that they don't necessarily directly correlate to. Well, I mean, that, that feels like museum camp in a nutshell. Any number of people who came from backgrounds that they never anticipated then working in museums or in journalism or any what have you. The skills that we cultivate along the way become critical 
in the situations we end up in because that's that's how we approach right is if you don't have a shovel you've got a I, I no, that metaphor is not going to work. But the, the point of the story is that we bring our own toolkits to the trade. And so when I decide to work in journalism, but I have a background in project management, I'm going to find ways to make that project management help me as a journalist. I think that if we can all find ways to take our skills that we don't necessarily think 100% connect, but we can find ways to make those work in the spaces that we're passionate about, well, they're all the better for it. Why would we just want people who are trained from the ground up just to make video games? Well, what about the perspective of all those folks out there who are bank tellers and cashiers and project managers and sailors and anything else? They've got tons of lived experiences that may be amazing to integrate into games. And maybe the other way around, folks who are game designers can get into more conventional industries and say, well, these are ways that we can get people more engaged or help them have more fun or feel more connected to a space. And gamification is everywhere. We can do an entire episode about that. But thank you both for your call-ins and for uh, contributing here at Intelligame. And again, if you have anything that you'd like to call in, ask a question or make a comment, Use that call-in button right here on Anchor FM. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, you can download Anchor from either iTunes or the Google Play Store. It's real easy to set up an account, and it's even easier to hit the call-in button. You can record up to a minute to leave here that you may hear on the air. Well, folks, that is a somewhat long, but now concluded edition of Intelligame Radio. I've been your host, Josh Boykin, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at Wallstormer. If you're looking for more Intelligame content, swing over to Intelligame.us, our center hub for print pieces on game culture, criticism, and the world around us. Also, keep an eye out on Thursday over at twitch.tv slash Let's Intelligame for another edition of Let's Intelliplay. We'll be doing that from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And we'll be streaming a game that'll give us plenty of opportunity for discussion. If you want to find out what that game is or you want to learn more about what's happening in the world of Intelligame, you can go ahead and follow us on social media. We are on both Twitter and Facebook at Twitter or Facebook.com slash Let's Intelligame. And, of course, you can check out Anchor for Intelligame Radio, which you can find at anchor.fm slash Let's Intelligame, or you can find it at, with your favorite podcasting apps and things. Anyway, I hope that you have a fantastic rest of the day. Um, try to take care of yourselves, and we will see you tomorrow on Monday.